Hello and welcome to the D2C Podcast. I'm Eric Dick. Today it's crunch time with Laurel Orley, co-founder and CEO of Daily Crunch Snacks, which offers a range of beautifully flavored sprouted almonds for mindful snackers searching for the ultimate crunch. Daily Crunch Snacks was started just under three years ago, but has truly sprouted since switching focus to e-commerce via Amazon at the start of the pandemic. In this podcast, we digest the things that Laurel learned to do and not to do after working at Mindshare and with Unilever, why pivoting to e-commerce has massively accelerated their business and how they did it, how a newsletter drop caused them to sell out of all their inventory, as well as the benefits of working with CPG accelerators and lots more. Hope you enjoy it. On with the show. Don't try to skip steps. Most companies are like this. They have certain pre-launch phases that you need to go through. Some of that includes targeting. Know your target. Know your competition. Know your competition's pricing. Know your whole competitive set back and forth. Understand your packaging, all of those pre-launch steps. And then when you launch, all of the launch steps that you need to do, testing things out with your co-packer, it's very easy to say, oh, forget it. I'm just going to launch and I'll just wing it. That is not a good idea. Even though you're a much smaller brand, you need to know who you are. Because at the end of the day, if you try to be everything to everyone, you are no one. This podcast is sponsored by Klaviyo, the email and text marketing platform that puts D2C brands in control. If you're the leader of a D2C brand, you need a platform that hustles as hard as you do. Klaviyo unlocks the power of your e-commerce data so you can personalize and automate messages that keep customers coming back. D2C brands communicate with Klaviyo. Get started for free at klaviyo.com DTC. Welcome to the D2C podcast, Laurel. Why don't we start with the why of daily crunch snacks? This why is uh, not one sentence long. So actually, um, I learned Daily Crunch Snacks through my aunt, who is my fellow co-founder, Aunt Diane. And she learned this process in India over 15 years ago, where whenever I'd see her at a family function, she'd gift me a bag of these sprouted almonds, cashews, walnuts. And for me, there was just something different about them. They were lighter, airier crunchier. I couldn't quite put my finger on the difference, but it was so much so that my now 10-year-old son who eats like a bird and like eats nothing would like inhale these almonds and cashews and we'd like fight over them. And when I left my career in the consumer packaged goods corporate industry, I kept on going back to Diane's sprouted nut snacks. I said, Diane, let's, uh, let's bring these to the mainstream market. Let's do this. And that was three years ago today. Let's just talk a little bit about the benefit of sprouted. I know the periods I remember in my childhood where my mom would buy sprouted bread and there are like major benefits of eating sprouted food. Can you tell me a little bit about that? So Eric, it's quite different with an almond. I didn't know this when I uh, first started, but almonds actually have the most amount of phytic acid on them than any other food ingredient in the world. When you soak almonds in water, which we do, it releases the phytic acid, which starts the germination process. When this happens, it becomes much more bioavailable, which makes it more nutrient dense and easier to digest. So while there are a lot of people who have gut issues when they eat nuts, when they're sprouted, they don't have these issues. But for the most majority of us who don't have these issues, when you're eating sprouted 
almonds, cashews, walnuts. The biggest difference you notice is in the crunch. Through our sprouting process, when the almonds soak in water, they actually expand in size, creating this hollow center. And then when it goes into a dehydration at really low temperatures, the excess moisture is removed, but the hollow center remains intact. So we actually call it the crunchy crave because you really do notice a difference between the crunchiness of a sprouted almond versus a regular or roasted almond. Let's go back to your your big CPG and agency experience. I've I've sold in different parts of my career, sold to to big agencies, sold to Mindshare, worked with them. Um, but you were talk to me about what you were working on uh, at these big companies. So I started my career on the Diageo business, which those of you who love whiskey and Guinness beer and Johnny Walker. Those are some of the flagship brands I worked on where I then moved on to Hasbro Toys. But I I worked on the Unilever business for 13 years at Mindshare. So this was the media side, media strategy. And I worked on some of their flagship brands, the Dove campaign for Real Beauty. So I helped launch Dove Men Plus Care into the U.S. market. I worked on Hellman's Mayonnaise. I know more about mayonnaise than the normal human being should know about mayonnaise. And I also worked on some of their flagship global brands like Lipton. This gave me a really great perspective of how to work with partners from digital all the way to, you know, at the time that I started, just to give you a perspective on Unilever, TV was the largest media that we spent followed by print. And when I left, it was digital that they spent the majority of their investments in as the trends go with all the rest of the big brands. So that's no big surprise. By the time you left, I bet it was a lot of like digital display stuff too. I bet there was a lot of budget in in the big RT. That, that's actually where I worked with Mindshare when I worked for a real-time bidding network. And that was uh, always interesting. So when I was leaving, a lot was also changing with the e-commerce space. So a lot was just shifting into e-commerce on how we spent within retail. And obviously we've seen how much that's grown, Eric, with how people search products now on Amazon over Google as the number one area to search for new new food CBG products. Display has always been relevant, but it's just been how we reach the consumer. So while I've been kind of out of the Mindshare world for a little over four years now, you know how it is in media. Things just are changing constantly. So what was the pulse four years ago could be a very different direction now, especially in the digital space. I mean, you have to remember 17 years ago, digital didn't exist. Smartphones didn't exist. So we still very much are in a new territory with everything in digital. A hundred percent. I've been around since I was doing that in you know the early 2010s, basically. Um, and so it is amazing how far things have come. I wanted to ask like, what, you know, in, in now becoming an entrepreneur and starting your own business, what are some of the things that you've taken from your experience in a positive way? What are some do's that you're repeating uh, from your previous experience? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, you know, when I worked on brands like the Dove campaign for Real Beauty, those are multi-million dollar media budgets. And then when you go to a startup and you virtually have no budget, you really have to know your negotiating tactics. 
We won a really coveted award when we first launched Daily Crunch Snacks back in March 2020. And to use the licensing rights of this award, they were charging us the same fee that they would charge me if I still worked on Dove. And understanding this perspective and knowing that, I was able to negotiate and bring down that cost significantly to a point where we could actually buy the licensing rights. It gave me a perspective to know, okay, when I was a big player and and had this budget to work with, I knew what those costs were. And now that I'm a, a little player, I'm a startup, I have that perspective and I have that confidence to be able to push back on some of these bigger partners that do believe in us and they do want to see us grow. And I get it that they need to make money too. But at the same time, to know, all right, I'm, I'm a little gal. <laughs> I'm, we're a woman-owned certified company, but we're a startup. So, so it's really helped me with negotiations, especially with these bigger partnerships. That's really interesting, knowing how much room there is. All negotiations are like that in a way. Just, just know the more you know, the more how much, the more you know, room you have that you know about, the more you can push it. In. And so often, just a little bit can get you a lot in that. And and I imagine a lot of entrepreneurs go into those situations with maybe no idea that there is room. They they do feel like they just have to kind of go into it more passively. Know your cards. You know, for us, it took me six months to get woman owned certified. That is a big card to play. I didn't know this, but. I didn't know that either. What's the actual, it's a, it's a board that certifies it or. It's called we, we bank. And I actually highly recommend it for anybody listening. That is a woman owned company. They also have this for other diversity uh, suppliers out there. So uh, actually, so it's, it's a big lengthy process. It's not that I think it's $300, but there's a lot of paperwork to prove that you clearly are woman owned and everything that, you know, you say you are is true, but it goes into a database. And for most startups, you know, for all startups, you really have to leverage, you know, what you have. And we actually got an email last week from Starbucks and they, they learned about us through the diversity supplier program for consideration for their, one of their, their lines to be a topper for one of our flavors. And they would have never found out about us if we didn't do the woman-owned certification. And also, people are 10 times more likely to buy a new product if you put the woman-owned logo on your packaging. So that's something that we didn't do at first, but now we very much do. So I think you need to know your cards. You need to know, okay, what makes my brand different? And when I'm going to negotiate with partners, with stores, whatever the case is, how am I going to use these cards to my benefit? Okay, so on the flip side of that, uh, after being in that environment, which has its ups and its downs, what's a big don't that you learned from your experience at these these big companies? That's a really good question. Here's one. Don't try to skip steps, even though, you know, when I worked on the Unilever business, and most, most companies are like this, they have certain pre-launch phases that you need to go through and Some of that includes targeting, know your target, know your competition, know your competition's pricing, know your your whole competitive set back and forth, understand your packaging, spend the time to work on your, all of those pre-launch steps. And then when you launch, all of the launch steps that you need to do, testing things out with your co-packer. And it's very easy to say, oh, forget it. I'm just going to launch and I'll just wing it. 
that is not a good idea. Even though you're a much smaller brand, you need to know who you are because at the end of the day, if you try to be everything to everyone, you are no one. And we really had to drill down of who is our tribe, who are our core 1000 ambassadors, who are our real targets? Are we talking to the nut category or are we talking to the superfood category? Where do we belong? And that's really helped us push us forward to where we are right now, a year and a half after launch. Where are you? Are you a superfood? Are you a, a, a snackable? We, you know, my household goes through a lot of nuts. Uh, we were eating walnuts on on the regular, like you know, big big tubs of them. Where 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 would I find you in a, in the aisles? So, kind of like where we are is, we're actually going through an accelerator program right now called SKU, and that's out of Dallas. They're one of the largest consumer packaged goods programs, and it's ending next week. And with that, we get we we've had twelve incredible mentors mentoring us, and that's been a really big question for us. Do we belong in the superfood set? Do we belong in the nut snack category? Where, where where do we belong? At the end of the day, there are some stores that have superfood categories, but the word superfood in itself is kind of elusive. What you may think of as a superfood, Eric, is not necessarily what I think of a superfood. And when you think of all the superfood brands out there, they're all this bright, bold, breakthrough packaging. So... If we have to decide between the two, we really feel like we belong in the nut category space because that is where we stand out and really can make a difference with that we're sprouted. We have this breakthrough packaging. We have this patent pending process. And with superfoods, I think it's a, a different ballgame. People eat a lot more nuts than they eat superfoods. Yeah, it's a it's it is a much broader category. And then you know, rather than maybe dominating a, a or competing in a very niche category, you're like this interesting alternative because you're still nuts. You're just you just have this angle on nuts, um, which is a smart play. Yeah, I think of us as think of Boom Chicka Pop that we have it on my on our top shelf. Yeah, <laughs> and just I mean, I go to Costco and I see that purple bag in everybody's cart, but then also think of regular popcorn in a paper bag. I mean, there are subtle differences between the two, but at the end of the day, their packaging is, is genius. And they've really broken through by their packaging. And we feel like we are that to the nut category, that we have this breakthrough packaging and these functional benefits and this crunch differentiation that when people try the product, they'll, they'll see the difference. Crunch differentiation. I love it. That's a great term. I wanted to ask, uh, you know, one of the things, having started this podcast and this whole newsletter, this media company in in the pandemic, I wanted to ask what sort of challenge the sort of beginning of the pandemic has has that thrown you for any loops? Well, we launched in March 2020, and being someone who's only worked corporate, going to a startup in my head, I thought we're gonna get this packaging and we're going to launch in all the Whole Foods across the country and we're going to do this all in three months. And of course, we're actually still not in Whole Foods. We're, we're currently in the review process, but we launched in March 2020 and all of a sudden all of these big buyers for all these big stores are like, we're not interested in small brands right now. R you know, rightfully so. There is a pandemic. And we said, how are we going to launch and grow as a brand when all these big retailers aren't taking us. So immediately we went on the e-commerce route where we worked on our website, 
We launched on Amazon. We got into, so Kehi is one of the largest natural food distributors in the United States. And they just opened a Kehi Elevate program. And we are one of six food brands, snack brands that were accepted into the program. And it really helped elevate us and get into those natural channel stores that we would not find otherwise. So really focusing on those three outlets. And it really made us kind of take a step back where we've also, you know, tweaked our packaging and really tried to figure out who are these people buying us, trying to understand who those core consumers are, finding out, you know, why they want to buy us. And a lot of it was for our clean ingredients. And now we've been able to launch into Meyer, launch into Foxtrot Market, Kings. We're actually launching with Thrive Market in two weeks, which we're really excited about. You know, I'm someone who is kind of impulsive and impatient by nature. And my fellow co-founder, Dan, always says, Laurel, you're, you can't be in, impatient. We are going fast and you have to believe that we're doing this the right way. We're going through all the steps. So anyway, that that's where we are right now. I just have to bring this up. It's funny. I, I did a pre-interview yesterday with a friend of mine, uh, Josh Elizeche, Josh Snow, Snow Teeth Whitening. He was actually just telling me a story about this mastermind that he went to where there was an older guy there that no one was really talking to. And everyone was these young, hip, you know, e-commerce guys. And there's this old guy in a suit there. And at the end of the day, he kind of gets up and tells his story. His story was actually, he was like an almond magnate, actually, this guy. And he owned all these distribution channels for, for almonds. But you know, kids weren't eating almonds. Kids don't like almonds. So he just like didn't, he didn't have that market. And so what he did is he went to Oreo. He went to, to Nabisco and said, I've got this huge distribution chain. I've got, I've got, I've got all this product. He basically like white labeled Oreo. And he, he said, I'll give you 25% of the profits if you just let me use the brand. And he actually went out and coated almonds in Oreos and then dipped them in chocolate under the Oreo brand. And he just like skyrocketed this like whole new channel by actually leveraging legacy CPG uh, in this really interesting way. And I just, just talking with you, I just think it's a parable that'd be interesting for you to think about. No, I mean, it's so genius. And I also saw Bienna Snacks did that with the Mint Girl Scout cookies, where they flavored it with a a flavor that consumers understand and recognize. And Eric, this comes up a lot in our innovative flavors. So we have these flavor profiles that sometimes people don't really know. And, you know, we're, we're still testing it out, but one of them is Golden Goodness, and it's our savory line. It kind of is this, like, umami but vegan cheesy. It's, it's hard to explain what it is, but people love it. And for us, it's this line of, okay, we have these innovative flavors. We have our cinnamon java that we're launching next month. We have a cacao plus sea salt, but it's keto. So they're all kind of slightly different. And do we just do a mainstream product that every and flavor that everybody knows already? And that's something we actually spoke about this morning because we really can be substituted also as a chip. And there's so many chip flavors where we are kind of that healthy alternative to a chip. So we did just launch our Nashville hot flavor. Uh, that's what we're doing exclusive with Thrive Market for the first 30 days and then and then um, it will be on Amazon. But people really love hot and they're used to the hot flavor. But, you know, we called it Nashville hot. So, yeah, flavor profiles can make or break a brand. 
Need high-quality, fully licensed UGC? With Minisocial, you can produce beautiful, authentic, and fully licensed user-generated content featuring your products with micro-influencer creators. D2C brands like Native, Olipop, Hydrant, and others love working with Minisocial as a way to populate their organic social acquisition channels, website, and beyond, while also competing dollar-for-dollar dollar with traditional influencer activations on Instagram and TikTok. Get started on a campaign at minisocial.com today. Let's go into growth a little bit. You mentioned how e-commerce at the advent of the pandemic was a huge, huge lever for the business. What specifically within e-commerce has really driven the growth? Is it specifically Amazon? Is it ads? What have been the actual strategy that, that have worked? So within e-commerce, we actually are focusing a lot of our efforts on Amazon. And we have seen very little ROAS when it comes to Facebook and Instagram. I mean, think about it, Eric, as a startup brand, a brand that you don't know, you haven't tried yet, you see this come up on Instagram, are you really going to try it? Are you really going to like click on it, then buy it, put out your credit? I mean, it's just all these steps. I, I was once in a meeting at Google when I was still at Mindshare where one of the heads there said the statement that still resonates with me of... You want to do as much as you can to the consumer to reduce the, the friction, taking out the steps. I mean, that was actually when they were promoting Google Glass, which that, that, whole, that whole thing like just got canned. But It's coming back. You, they're they're going to bring it back. <laughs> what can you do to reduce the friction, to remove those steps in the consumer's journey? Because if you can remove that, the more you can remove the better you can get to the shopping cart and for them to purchase. So we have some apps that we've been using for our website, like repeats and uh, all of these exit pop-ups where they literally just have to click a button and it's already in their cart and they just have to press pay. And the same goes with Amazon. I mean, I just said before, Amazon now is the number one site where people are searching for consumer packaged good brands over Google. So we hired this new agency called Noble and they are overseeing our Amazon business. And since we started working with them, we've really just revamped our strategy, revamped, you know, what we're, you know, what we're trying to do on Amazon. And we have pretty aggressive goals for 2022, but I think that they're something that we could really achieve. That's a combination through organic uh, as well as paid on Amazon? Correct. Organic, paid partnerships. We uh, did a partnership with certain influencers or bloggers such as Hungry Girl. So Hungry Girl has an Amazon Live and people really trust what she says about brands. And she Sorry, asks, what's an Amazon Live? So, I, this is the first, yeah. you can actually go live on Amazon? It's a new, so this is a new feature that Amazon has where, and, and you can Google it like Amazon live with hungry girl where she'll go on there and it is live and she'll talk about certain products. I think it drives to the, the hungry girl page and people can just go in there and then buy the products and check out. But Amazon is coming up with all these new features. So for example, they're also coming out with a or they just already came out with having a climate-friendly badge, and that's something that's really important for us, being sustainable. So we're working on getting the badge on there. And 
we're also working on new videos. You know, videos rule on Amazon. It just beats out a static post. That I call it food porn. If you can get a great food porn video of your product. Is it you called know, mukbang? Is, is, that, is that what it's called? There's there the whole thing where people just eat huge amounts of food, <laughs> right? Well, it's like these gorgeous videos of this, inc- like I think of Fly by Jing. So there's a few brands that I just really love following. And one of them is Fly by Jing. And she has these uh, different types of sauces. And she drizzles these sauces on these dumplings. And I'm, it's just game over. I buy it. I just bought a whole, I just bought two more bottles. And it's people buy with their eyes. They, they, they see something. They're hungry. They're like, that looks amazing. So we just did a huge shoot last week to do these, these porn videos. Food porn videos. Sorry. Not food porn. Porn. Be, food. Don't get taken out of context. Food, food yeah. porn videos. And... I, I think it's going to be a real game changer when you can really bring food alive through a video versus a static post. And you have that crunch. Like, yeah. Like, that's and ASMR. Yeah, so actually, that's actually ASMR. Yes. That's such a great point, Eric. So we, we actually have a video right now on Amazon, if you go on Daily Crunch Snacks, that has uh, someone crunching and you can hear that difference. It's really transparent. And actually, in a lot of the pitches I do... That's how I ended. I say like and get crunching and I I crunch in an almond and it, it just is so audio. So we have that. It's too bad that it has not – I haven't received the snacks yet. I think <laughs> by the time this goes out, I will have received them and I'll, I'll make sure to record a little crunch. And we can – Declan, insert it right here. This is what This is what the crunch sounds like. Okay, there we go. Okay. Oh, I wanted to actually ask about Hungry Girls specifically. So that they're a newsletter, uh, which is great. You know, we're a newsletter. We, we, we uh, It's a really interesting model. What was this sort of immediate impact when uh, Hungry Girl, you know, launched your product to her audience? Yeah. So let me tell you my journey with Hungry Girl. I Last December, I decided to send a bunch of samples out to all different podcasters, just saying, here is, here's some of my product. I'd love for you to try it. I'd love to be considered. And I didn't hear back from any of them and I just forgot about it. And then February 3rd, I remember it was a Monday morning, our then intern and our first hire, Kenzie, she called me at like eight o'clock in the morning and she's like, what is going on, Laurel? We just sold out of almost everything on Amazon in four hours. Like something's going, we're sold out. We're done. We're done. We have sold out of all of our inventory. And we could not figure it out for the life of us. We were like, what could it have been? What, like, we just couldn't figure it out. And then I was going through my emails the next day and I saw this Hungry Girl email. And I said, oh my gosh, did she get my product and maybe put us in there? And lo and behold, in the newsletter is top three finds that you need of snacks you need to get in your pantry ASAP and we are the first one in there and it linked directly to Amazon and that's when it really for me was that lightning in a bottle because everyone's like oh influencers bloggers and for me we just nothing was working and I realized now that we were we were going after the wrong type of of bloggers or influencers at that time it wasn't resonating with who our core ambassador brand ambassadors were our core consumers then she put us on her snack hall podcast that month 
And that also just went, and this was not, she didn't, we didn't pay for this. And we just saw the magic in, in her newsletter. So we actually decided to do an Amazon Live with her that was paid in June, and we are doing that again in January. And I think for us, it's just finding who those right partners are. How many people will she get out on a live? She has over 1 million email subscribers. Wow. But a live is real time, right? Like it's like kind of like a webinar, like it's a... Oh, so how many people should get on a live? That is a great question. Let me, I have no idea. Okay. I know that this is something that's new for them too. What's the, there's the Chinese um, network that's sort of based about like, you know, watching people shop, for instance. Um, and so it's interesting that I, this is the first I'd heard of Amazon Live and it makes perfect sense. I, I'm interested for you, what, like, what's your stance on content marketing? This is something, you know, with, with uh, D2C, we've actually just launched uh, our, our first course, but it meant a year and a half of creating our audience first with content. And now we've kind of launched a product to that audience. I'm curious what your sort of stance on content marketing is and whether you have any strategies that you're thinking about for that for 2022. So this is something I would divert Kenzie to. So she, Kenzie was our intern at, and now she is our first time hire and she's actually in charge of this. So when you say content marketing, you mean actually like videos? Can you? I just think, yeah, like whatever, whatever content it is, like whatever content you're putting out to sort of kind of serve your audience and keep them around in a way that you don't have to pay for. Well, for people love recipes. So being a food brand, we're really trying to focus a lot more on recipes. We've actually found certain influencers on Instagram who do amazing food recipes, and we pay them to create a new recipe for us every month and also for the photography. And then we share this with our audience via a newsletter on Instagram, many different ways. So we want people to understand that this is Daily Crunch is a brand that you don't just eat alone and how you can incorporate it into your diet, how it can be a yogurt topper, a salad topper, how you can put make this with your chocolate chip cookies. There's so many different ways to incorporate that. So for our content, we're really giving them a lot of recipe ideas. This is what they want to see. And that is where a large portion of our focus is right now. Nice. Uh, you mentioned earlier about the incubator. Uh, that you're currently working on. I bet that was a, a, a tough, as a bootstrapping founder, I bet that was a tough decision. I'd like to know a little bit about like what you were seeking out there and whether you've sort of gotten it there at the accelerator. Yeah. So Eric, you know, I always say being an entrepreneur, it's two steps forward, one step back. And when we first launched the first year, it was go, go, go. We were winning all these awards. We got the green light for like Meyer. We were in the CVS health hubs and then all of a sudden, we got we, we applied to these two programs and we didn't get in. And I was really bummed about it. But for me, it's all kind of part of this journey that you kind of learn of when is the right time. And one of the things that we didn't get in the first go around was SKU, this consumer packaged goods accelerator that we're in right now. And I, I wasn't going to apply again, but last minute... Uh, someone emailed us. I think it was um, it was Scott who does the the kale chips. He's the CEO and founder of the kale chips. Um, he said, "Apply." So we applied again, and I just kind of you know 
when you're an entrepreneur, you, you're applying to all of these things, all of these stores, and I've learned just to kind of like not get my hopes up in the sense of this is where I feel like we belong. We've put our best foot forward and like we've done everything we could. Let's apply and move on. So we applied and then we kept on making it to the next step, the next round, then we made it to the final round and we we got into to skew. And, you know, there's a lot of pros and cons in this. Well, the cons and this, it could be a con is that you give up equity. But for us, this was worth it. We felt like this was going to really accelerate us and this was the right time. If we did skew the year prior, it would not have been the right time. And it was the right growth stage for where we were. And the mentors that we have, we've established relationships with that we, who, you know, work at Justin's, Smart Suites, who are venture capitalists, who have worked at all these huge brands, or actually they were the brand and they sold it. And we now have these established relationships where they are going to be, some of them will be on our board later on. And it's a 12 week course where every week is a different topic. And it's really kind of what you put in is what you get out of it. I think if I was a solo entrepreneur, it would be much harder. But since I have two other co-founders, it was easier for us to divide and conquer. But I'm going to Dallas next week for the finale of this cohort where I am pitching my presentation about us Shark Tank style the first day. And then the second day is going to be on a, a video and then aired. So it's really accelerated us. I have no regrets. It's probably the best thing we've done since we've launched. That's, and, and then sort of specifically, is it about like, is it about context you've received? Is it about uh, specific advice that you've been able to act on? Is it confidence that you feel in, in the way that you're building it? What, what, what specifically have been the biggest uh, wins from being a decelerator? So we've had subgroups with our mentors. One of them has building out our financial roadmap. The other one has been building out our strategic and marketing roadmap. And the other one has been our sales roadmap. And this is all to take us through the next 18 to 24 months to get us to a series A. So to see that big picture, but you know, one week we'll be focused on e-commerce where they'll have someone from Amazon come and speak. The next week will be on our operations or on raising money. And it's very, very specific topics every week that we can do real time examples with that that really bring the big picture to life. And since there's only other five brands in this program, so to give you an example, Eric, this program, uh, some other brands that went through it were Siete. They're the, the chips and they've grown like a hundredfold. Epic Bars. So Epic Bars have gone through this. A lot of big brands have gone through this program. And, you know, I think it's really just, are you willing to put in the time commitments? Because what you put in is what you get out. Very cool. I wanted to ask also one of the questions we ask all podcast guests is if, uh, you know, we were to give you a $50,000 USD grant right now, where would you put it into your business to see the most growth? That is an excellent question. So where we, we would put that money in right now is we're really trying to automate our operations and work through just making it more operational and automated. We also will probably put some of that towards our inventory. You know, when you're a food brand, you have to pay for all these upfront costs before you sell them. So almonds, cashews, walnuts, 
when you're shipping those across the country from California to our co-packer in Connecticut, you don't want to just be shipping a thousand pounds at a time. We need to ship 10,000 pounds a time at least. So if you do the math, I mean, that's a huge amount of cost of goods. So we put part of it into our operations automation, into our cost of goods, and then lastly, but definitely not least, marketing. So we're doing a huge emphasis on marketing as soon as we hit the ground running in January because it's health month. Everybody's on a, back on a keto diet. They want to incorporate healthy goods into their diet, and and we want to be really aggressive in Q1 with getting the awareness out there of who we are. And is that going to be entirely through Amazon, or do you have other channels planned for that as well? No, we actually have some really exciting things up our sleeve for Q1. So we are going to be on a morning show, which I can't divulge at the 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 moment, but we're going to be on a morning show where we're going to be doing a lot of sampling and promotion with a lot of the stores we're currently in. As a startup, it's not enough just to say, oh, what's the next big store that we can get into? Like you have to nurture the current stores you're in. We haven't been able to do sampling up until this point. Like we have not done any sampling with our stores And, and now finally they're allowing it. So this week alone, we're doing sampling in about a hundred of our stores across the country. And we need to, to keep that going. So sampling and then follow up with the promotions. It's all part of the funnel, Eric, of you do the sample, then the consumer can go back, buy the product on sale, and then they'll come back and then buy it at full price. We want to be part of that funnel. It's not enough just to say, oh, here's a sample, like good luck with that. And if there's a lot of planning logistics that go with that with the store to make sure that they buy extra inventory. So, because if, if someone samples your product and then they go to purchase you and you're sold out, you've lost them. It's done, game over. So there's just a lot of planning that goes into this. And we, we're planning this now to really push this out in January. Very exciting. I can imagine with a product like yours that sampling is hugely critical as well because it is a, it's a differentiator. It has that crunch. It has, you know, you, you, you want to know how it's different. You have to experience that, you know, and there's no way to do it without sampling. Are you, are you in Costco yet? Costco is kind of our, there's a funnel. And the period funnel starts with the natural channel. And that's where a big portion of our focus is right now. We need to win at the natural channel first. And Costco actually is at the bottom of that triangle. There are, and, and that's a big focus for us probably in 2023, 2024. Um, so they're the last of that. And before that, then comes like the convenience store channel. And before them comes more of those mainstream stores that we love like Kroger. So Costco, uh, ask me again in 2023. <laughs> Sounds good. That's, that's, yeah, I could, I could see that with that, that. Yeah. You'd be ready for the bottom of the funnel at that time. You'd have to have your, I mean, your... if Costco calls, well, Hey, what we'll sign up. It depends if you line. partner with Hershey's to do some, uh, to, to do some chocolate covered Hershey sprouted almonds. Yes. Yes. Exactly. I wonder if they'd do that. Nice. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the DTC podcast today. If anyone in our audience wants to experience this crunch, uh, they can go to dailycrunchsnacks.com right now and uh, and check it out. And Eric, can I actually give a promo code? Do you allow that? Of course. So if you enter crunch in the promo code, we are giving 20% off for your first order. So uh, that's only through the end of the year. And we hope you enjoy the crunch as much as we do. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. 
If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.